You're listening to the Beyond the States podcast with Jen Vimont. Did you know that you can go to Europe and get your entire degree taught in English for less than one year of tuition at many American schools? Jen will take you on a deep dive into the many benefits and options around English-taught higher education in Europe, helping to make the possibility less foreign. Hi, I'm Jen Vimont. Thanks so much for joining me today. I'm really excited about today's topic, which is study abroad. And yeah, technically all of the episodes we've done are about study abroad through being an international student in Europe. But we're going to talk about the opportunities to study abroad while you're a student in Europe. Study abroad while you're studying abroad. I, I spend a lot of time thinking about, talking about, and writing about the non-financial benefits of studying abroad. Sure, the savings is huge and is a tangible benefit, and often the one that first gets people thinking about the option of studying in Europe. But the secondary benefits often end up being as valued as the savings. Even people who go to school in the U.S. often see the benefits around study abroad and think that they'll accomplish this through a study abroad program in college. I've seen numbers anywhere from 35% to over 60% of students who plan to do a study abroad semester or program in college. But in fact, less than 10% of U.S. college graduates do a study abroad program. And of those, 60% of them are doing a program that, that is less than eight weeks in duration. So why is this? Why do so many students in the U.S. plan to study abroad and then aren't able to follow through? First and foremost, I think it deals with cost. Let's look at some of this. So the University of Illinois, where my own husband graduated from, from college, they have many study abroad choices. One is with KU Leuven in Belgium. So students through this program attend classes at KU Leuven with KU Leuven students learning from KU Leuven professors. And this is really awesome because a lot of the US study abroad programs are more self-contained. So you do get the authentic, KU Leuven experience through this program. But here's the problem. When you do this exchange, you pay over $15,000 for one single semester. But wait, it gets even more crazy. The tuition for an entire year for an international student at KU Leuven is right around $1,200, as opposed to the $4,525 U of I charges for one semester of having access to those very same classes. And then U of I study abroad students pay over $600 a month when they're in Belgium for housing. This is in a student residence with all the other American students. An international student can find housing in student residences for $375 per month. Then there are the tremendous number of fees in addition to the tuition at U of I, which is reduced, but still you're paying it, that you'll pay during your study abroad semester. A full-time international student at KU Leuven will pay less for their entire degree than an Illinois semester abroad student. So here's another crazy example. University of Wisconsin has a semester abroad at Hamburg University of Applied Science in Germany. Uh, the students who do this through Wisconsin, they need to know German. And um, they cost, if you're an out-of-state student, it costs 24 grand for the semester. But guess how much a full degree student pays at that same school in Hamburg? Nothing. There's a semester fee that's usually a couple hundred dollars a, a semester, but tuition is free even to international students, and they have programs in which no German is needed. Uh, some schools use a private study abroad provider. With many of these, students live a fairly self-contained existence and take classes through the provider, not even on the campus of a university. 
sort of like a, a cruise and experiencing the semester as a tourist as opposed to experiencing it as a visiting uh, student. There's one reputable provider who offers a semester in Copenhagen for $25,500 for one semester. And that does include housing and some meals, but not transportation to and from the U.S. So we can compare that to a student at Copenhagen Business School. It's a very prestigious school that has Triple Crown International Accreditation. Yearly tuition at Copenhagen Business School is right around $10,000. And rooms in the student residences can be found for $400 to $500 per month. So you could be a full-time student for two years with housing for what it would cost for one semester of study abroad. So here's the good news. As an international full degree student in Europe, you have the opportunity to study abroad while you're already studying abroad without the obstacles we have here. This is due to the Erasmus Plus program. The EU not only acknowledges that there are tremendous benefits to study abroad, not only on a personal level, but benefits to society, and, and these benefits are aligned with their policy agenda for growth, for jobs, for equality, social inclusion, and language learning. They note that this international exposure leads to, and this is a quote from the EU Commission, improved learning performance, enhanced employability, and improved career prospects, increased self-empowerment and self-esteem, improved foreign language competencies, enhanced intercultural awareness, more active participation in society. And then they put their money where their mouth is and they develop ways to remove obstacles and encourage study abroad among students in Europe. Note that I'm saying students in Europe, not European students, because everything we're talking about today is open to all degree students in Europe, even international students. So because of these programs, study abroad is an integral part of being a full-time student in Europe. So today we're going to talk to Joao Pinto. Joao is from Lisbon, and he participated in study abroad himself when he was studying international relations as a student in Portugal. He's now working on his PhD and serving as a president of the Erasmus Student Network International Board. ESN, the Erasmus Student Network, is a student-led organization formed to support students who are studying outside of their home country. Joao, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for inviting so I was hoping you, we could start by you telling our listeners a little bit about um, Erasmus Plus and ESN and sort of um, what its goals are, what the program is, the mission, if you could just speak right. to that. So Erasmus Plus is a, a, a program uh, by the European Commission, one of the most successful programs. Um, right now in Erasmus Plus, ends the Plus, you can basically study abroad or, or live abroad uh, at any point of your life, actually, um, the program goes from school education to higher education, uh, traineeships, sports, um, adult education. I mean, there's many, many dimensions that are reflected in the program. And um, this means that uh, whether you are having a, a, an internship in a company or that you're learning how to become a cook or that you're going to be the next daughter uh, in, you know, in the local hospital, all of these people are entitled to um, have an abroad experience. That can go, you know, from one week abroad, actually, uh, to a full year abroad, or, or even more, depending on, on uh, which level of studies you are. Um, the Erasmus program was set up in uh, 1987 uh, by, by the European Commission. Um, actually, before, there was already some sort of exchange done that was mostly at the vocational education and training sector. So companies were already cooperating and using some EU funding to do that. 
But in 87, they, they, they were brave enough and they, they managed to touch in one of the topics that actually the EU has very little power in, which is education. Mm. So education is actually run by the member states. The EU does not have a, a saying, let's say, to, um, in, in how education is run, only through the Erasmus program. So in the Erasmus program, because it belongs to the EU, um, the states that, um, that want to participate in that, and all the states do, have to comply to a certain set of rules that are um, you know, set by, by the Commission. And all of those rules are illustrated in what we call the Erasmus Charter of Higher Education in specific. But there are also other Erasmus Charters for other parts of the program. If I could ask a question real fast, just to clarify. Yeah. So it sounds like um, the EU started this Erasmus Plus, plus program yeah. because it pertains to higher education to yeah. promote mo mobility. Is that correct? Yes. First, it was mobility among students. Uh, so international students, you know, university students that would go to another place to study for a semester or for a year. That was the first. But today, it's a lot more people. Teachers also go abroad. You know, I think that the worst, the worst you can have is a teacher that has no abroad experience because it's not going to pass that to the students. And so the EU is very aware of that and really also instigates teachers to do that as well. Staff, I mean, all sorts of people. Why does the EU think that mobility is important, specifically amongst higher education students? So one might think that Erasmus is only about the academic dimension. So you kind of go to another university and you maybe learn something that your, host your home university is not um, offering you, you know, and you kind of diversify your CV. It's also very nice for competition, you know, in the job market, especially today, you need to have a different CV. And I guess European students, uh, higher education students are very well aware of that. And Erasmus is also a way for you to diversify your, your CV. That's obviously very important, employability. Um, if you go to the, if you check the Erasmus Impact Study uh, that was uh, launched by the Commission back in 2015, if I'm not, not mistaken, um, it shows that Erasmus students are much more employable, actually, than non-mobile students. Uh, it's much easier for them to, to find a job. And today, employers also look for this kind of entrepreneurial uh, attitudes, you know, of going abroad for a semester, of leaving the risk. Also, this idea of working together with others from other nationalities is very important for most employers. So international students that go in Erasmus do have this perspective and the EU does care a lot about this. However, there's another dimension that is extremely important for, for the European Union on the Erasmus program, and that is the, the, the building of a common European identity, of, of, a, common, of a generation that, that crosses board, borders, um, and that, that sees way beyond, you know, what's... Uh, national governments or what, what happen, whatever happens in their, in their borders. Networks of people that are made of uh, people from several countries. And the Erasmus program exists also for this. And I would say, actually, at the time that we are living today, in which uh, for some reason, you know, we kind of developed this fear of the other. Um, this is happening so much now in, in, in these recent, more recent years. This segment of the Erasmus program is actually, I would say, for some, even more important than the employability aspect because it really helps people become more aware of other cultures and not only more tolerant, but more inclusive towards our other cultures. Yeah, and I'd even say it's not just this European identity. I mean, students, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, they can go to Russia too, correct? Definitely, definitely. They, so, they, can, go, they can go anywhere actually, uh, but it's, more, it's easier to go within uh, what we call the program countries. Right. The program countries are not only the EU countries. We have the 28 member states, and there are other five countries, if, not, if I'm not mistaken, that are not EU member states, but are program countries. This means that you can go to there also to study there very, very easily. And also then the Erasmus Plus program has 
layers, you know, rings around Europe of partner countries. And the further you go away, um, a bit the harder, I would say, it is to, to go to that place. But for example, it's not that, that, that hard to go, as you said very well, to Russia or to go to even to Northern Africa, for example, because that's already in the immediate neighborhood of the, of the, of the, the EU. Right. And then there's a second ring, ring a bit outer, and, and so on and so on and so on. It goes on until, I don't know, 12 or so rings. So it's not just a European kind of uh, mindset they're promoting. It's an international, sort of a global citizenship um, that I agree yes. with you. I think is so important in this day and age. So, so, look, it, it actually started more from the European perspective. But sure. because Europe um, had to deal with, you know, with the migration crisis and with lots of other issues uh, happening here, you know, terrorism is also very present. Because of that, it was very well understood, and correctly in my opinion, by, by those deciding the program needed to have a more internationalized approach. Uh, right now, we are reviewing the Turin program, uh, the one we have now, and we are debating how the next program is going to look like. Because this program is a work for seven years uh, frameworks. So the next program is going to start in 2021, uh, 1st of January. So now, 2018 is the time to, you know, to present uh, solutions uh, for some of the problems identified and, for the next, and for, to improve the program. And one of the things, um, to follow up on what you just said, mm -hmm. one of the things that was already proposed and that we know it's, it's a very famous proposal that people really want is to make sure that Erasmus becomes more global than it is today. So to make it even easier for people from other parts of the world to come to Europe to study and from Europeans to go outside of Europe to study. Because as you rightly said, um, today is all about a global citizenship more than, more than just a, a European citizenship. But I do want to underline that for the EU, it's very important that uh, the young people in the member states have and develop this common EU citizenship or understanding of what it is, the EU citizenship. Because if that, doesn't, that does not happen, then situations like Brexit or, or others can fall. So right. this program also works a lot on raising this internal aware, awareness of the added value of, of the EU. And it's part of a bigger agenda. It's part of a bigger agenda that includes not having borders in, within the EU, you know, just to travel freely, of uh, not paying, paying roaming. You don't pay roaming today in the EU. You, you go to France with your friend, your Portuguese phone number, and you, you pay the same as home, as if you'd be at home. So more and more of this, you feel at home, even though you are in a different country, kind of policies um, are being developed. Oh, that's so cool. This all just kind of gives me goosebumps. So here in the U.S., I, I stated in when I was talking um, before you joined us, study abroad is very rare. Less than 10% of U.S. students do a semester outside of their school. Um, and for a whole host of reasons. How, but how common is it amongst students in Europe? How many students are doing a semester abroad for a year? For a year, yeah. Look, the most recent numbers I saw, I think that 4.4 million higher education students have done the Erasmus program. And in total, if you join, if you put together all of the other dimensions of the program, so the youth sector, the traineeship sector, sure. all of the others I mentioned before, uh, in total, you have about 9 million people that already participated in the Erasmus program. Wow. Um, this means that from 87, since 87, 9 million people in this continent had the opportunity to to have some sort of a broad experience from one week to one year, maybe some sort of a broad experience volunteering. Also very important. I mentioned, I forgot to mention, you can also volunteer abroad with the Erasmus plus program. I have, I have this very close friend, for example, who, uh, you know, did his Erasmus in, in Italy. So normal Erasmus, love to be in Italy, 
uh, then he wanted, he was Portuguese, then he wanted to stay in Italy, he stayed in Italy for a while, he came back, he wanted to go back to Italy, so what did he do? He applied for a volunteering abroad opportunity within the Erasmus Plus program, he was a student of journalism, so he went to do uh, a radio show in a small town in, in Italy for a full year. Wow. Um, so this is also possible, volunteering. And, and what I want to note to our listeners is, number one, you don't have to be an EU citizen to to do the Erasmus Plus program. As no, an international student, you can do this. Um, and then the other thing is that most undergraduate programs have a semester set aside where students can either do an internship or they can do a, a, a study abroad program or they can, um, you know, do a minor if they want at their home school. But, but these opportunities are sort of built into most of the undergraduate programs, at least mm-hmm. those that are taught in English. Yeah. Um, I do want to talk in just a minute about ESN and everything you guys do to support the students. But first, um, in terms of the ways that the EU supports students' mobility, increasing their mobility, um, some of the logistics, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, there's an opportunity for students to apply for grants, correct, if they're going to involve themselves in an Erasmus Plus program? All of of what I just said is covered by grants. Uh, When you go in Erasmus, by definition, you get a grant. Uh, when you don't go on Erasmus without a grant. I mean, you can do that, but actually the percentage is very low. Uh, the large majority uh, of the people go on Erasmus with a grant. And then this is also the truth for other sectors, so not only for higher education. So you can study, let's just talk about study abroad, for instance. Yeah. You can yeah. study abroad for up to a year per bachelor's program, correct? Yeah, so let's say if you, do, if you do the bachelor's, you can spend a full year abroad. Then you, you move to the master's, you can also spend one year of your master's abroad. Move to your PhD, you can also spend one year of your PhD abroad. So in total, actually, and here in Europe, we, also, we always think about three cycles. So in these three cycles, uh, cycles bachelor's, uh, master's, and PhD, in total, if you combine everything, you can actually spend three years abroad, always having an Erasmus Plus grant, all the time, always. Which is, just, which is just really incredible to me. And, and as I mentioned to you before when we were speaking, um, I often have students who say, oh, I really, really, really want to study in a particular country. And maybe that country has less um, programs that would be a good fit for them. I always tell them, don't confine yourself to one country because through the Erasmus program, you could spend one year of your three-year program in that country. Absolutely. Um, so, so when you're talking about a grant, I know one thing that... that is covered is that you're only paying the tuition from your home school, correct? So if I'm if I'm coming from a school like KU Leuven, we had a member who went to Leuven, and his tuition was right around a thousand dollars a year. If he yeah. then goes to a school in, let's say, the Netherlands that charges twelve thousand dollars a year, what tuition will he pay while he's in the Netherlands? The home, the home university. Uh, so he would still only pay the one thousand dollars that he pays at Leuven, yeah. which is just incredible. And are there also options for um, stipends for living costs? Yes. So depending on your social condition, you can get a higher grant as well. You can get top ups. Um, also, for example, if you have if you have a disability, you can also have a top up depending on how severe the disability is. Actually, depending on some types of some types of disabilities. The Erasmus Plus uh, funding also covers the second person to, that you go take with you oh, wow. to another country. So you can also get the second person to help you, uh, paid by, by the program. So yes, social condition, your background matters. Um, then the grant is also calculated in accordance to the differences between um, 
the GDP of the countries. So, uh, you know, if you go from a country that has a high GDP, GDP to another country has a lower GDP, you're probably going to get less than the opposite. If a student that goes from that country with a lower GDP goes to your country, because this student is going to need more money to, you know, for living costs. For living costs. In the, so if you're going from Hungary, for instance, to Norway, your yeah. stipend will be greater. You're living kind of your, your... It's going to be greater, yes, exactly. Than if you go from Norway to Hungary. Yes, most probably, yeah, yeah exactly. So, so tell me this. So again, in the U.S., a lot of times um, kids will do a study abroad program my own, I, I have a brother who did a study abroad program. I have a half brother. So this was fairly recently. And he went to Copenhagen and um, did not study at a particular university. It was like this self-contained thing, lived with the other study abroad students. So it, it wasn't necessarily an authentic experience. And what cracked me up about this, though they lived in this bubble in Copenhagen, I mean, sure, they got to see great sights and eat great food and whatever else. Though they lived in this bubble, when he got back to school, they had to do an acclim a reacclimation program, which just cracked me up. It's because like I don't see how they actually acclimated in in Copenhagen to begin with. Anyway, I'm digressing. <laughs> but um, but so let's talk about ESN and yeah. what you guys do. What your goal is um, yeah. for international students and what you do to help with that. Yeah, exactly. So look. Uh, the Erasmus Student Network, ESN, um, is turning 30 next year. Um, and it's an organization that was created by, indirectly by the Erasmus program itself, in a way. Actually, the, the first students that were coming back from their first abroad experience with the Erasmus Plus program understood that there were different students in the campus, that they needed an organization that would be there to support their integration in the campus. And also somehow to defend their interests, you know, um, in the university. And uh, they, set, they set up this organization with, uh, with some support from the European Commission at the time. And in 1989, ESN was, was created. Um, since then, it expanded tremendously. And today, it's present in 40 countries. So it goes beyond the 28 member states of the EU. Um, it's present in all of the 33 program countries, Erasmus Plus program countries. And uh, in total, there's about 550 local organizations uh, in, in, in these countries. And all of this is done by a very large team of 15,000 volunteers that we have spread across the continents. Uh, all of them are students, or the large majority are students, who just volunteer, give part of their time to integrate the international students that are arriving to their campus. So instead of going home and maybe watching TV, what they do is that they prepare events for the students. Uh, they prepare city tours. They try to make deals uh, with the local museum to have cheaper tickets, and they all go to the museum together. Or even with the local pub have a party there and, and, you know, have a nice time together. Um, so all of the activities that are done at the local level, or the majority, better saying, of the activities done at the local level of ESN by these organizations and these volunteers, the large majority aim at integrating international students in that society and making sure that these students uh, have the best experience possible and have the most out of the experience. And this is done by all sorts of, uh, of programs. Uh, you know, we have programs targeting the health of international students. We have, a, we have a now, we're developing now a program um, that is going to be a sort of uh, Olympics of international students. I mean, we are, it already exists on a pilot phase. Um, you basically have local competitions, national competitions, and then an international competition um, in three modalities. So also sports as a language that everybody speaks and as a way of promoting inclusion. 
Um, we also have programs for people with disabilities. So all sorts of opportunities you can imagine, we organize at the local level. Then these uh, are coordinated by national levels, uh, so in the 40 countries, and the national levels work closely with the national coordination of Erasmus+. Plus. So as you can imagine, the Erasmus+, Plus is done by the European Commission here in Brussels, but then it, it is coordinated by the national level. It, it is a decentralized, mostly decentralized program. So our national level works very closely with the national level of Erasmus+, Plus, while the local level works very closely with the 1,000 universities we are present around Europe. And then here in, Europe, here in Brussels, what we do at the national level is basically advocating for the rights of international students all the time, uh, is trying to reduce obstacles to mobility. Uh, there's a few obstacles to international mobility. We are always fighting against them. We can talk more about this later, for example. Um, so, you know, this is why our organization is successful and why it uh, helps so much the program to be developed. Because we have a direct link with the students, with a participant of the program. We have a direct link with them and the, and the students tell, tell us what are their problems. We see on the ground what are their problems. And all of these is channeled to the respective level that can solve the problem. And some of them reach us in Brussels. So I have stories of personal stories of students on the ground that reach to me and I pass that message to the commission and we try to do something together about it. Um, so this is why it works. We are, you know, hand in hand working together. So, so it sounds like you have the national level where you are and you're in Brussels and then each major city within the EU or has a local ESN, correct? Yes, uh, even outside of the EU. So we are in 40 countries, uh, okay. also outside of the EU, but not only in major cities. Um, if I think about my own, uh, my own home country, if I think about Portugal, uh, we have 14 local organizations in Portugal. In Portugal, and that's a small country. Yeah, we have 14 just there. Uh, and that in 14 in different cities. So we are covering actually 15 cities in Portugal. Um, so one organization works for two cities. And uh, I think that the, the smallest city uh, where we are present probably has about, you know, uh, 30 to 40,000 inhabitants. Um, but because it has a small university, um, we opened uh, an ESN section there. But it's very important to understand that here in Brussels or the national levels, we do not go to the universities and right. open sections. You know, we are not, you know, uh, this is not how it works. What happens is the large majority of our local organizations are opened by students themselves. Mm. They go abroad. The classical ESN story is they go abroad, they have an amazing time. Most probably they're going to have an ESN section uh, helping them, you know, and, and, and making sure they have the greatest time. When they come back, their university does not have any section and they say, hey, I want to open one. How do I do that? They contact the national level and the national level helps them. And this is how it goes. Oh, so that's really all, cool. It's all so bottom-up. So then at the local level, that local level, that student group, that student volunteer group, they are planning these parties. They're planning the excursions. They're planning language learning events. And they're implementing the programs um, for that, in, that enhance mobility, correct? There you go. Exactly. And you touched on a very, very nice point. Um, the doc document that kind of regulates what universities have to provide for international students uh, is called the, I mentioned before, the Erasmus Charter of Higher Education. This document, any university that wants to participate in the program has to sign this charter. And right now there are about 5,000 char uh, charter holders uh, around the continent. So 5,000, let's say, higher education institutions from all sizes and shapes from, you know, gigantic institutions like, you know, the Oxford University or others, and to very tiny institutions, just like the one I mentioned is in this small town in Portugal. 
So all of these have to respect the same rules. And one of the lines that says in the Erasmus Charter that is written there is that universities have to provide to the international students um, opportunities for them to relate with the locals, to experience the local culture, to grow with it as well, and also to influence it, you know, because it has to go both ways. And this line here is very hard, actually, for universities to implement it because it requires HR that they do not have. It requires them to be, you know, doing the nights uh, with the students outside or to spend the weekends with the students. It requires them, uh, if, the, if the students have a problem with the landlord, we have sometimes, you know, fraud problems with landlords. It requires them to go with the students to a lawyer or to go with the students to talk with the landlord and see if the problem can be solved. All of this that I just mentioned is mostly done by, by ESN. So we are the ones that really help universities uh, taking care of, of this line. And one thing I want to point out is that ESN is not just for students who are doing a mobility program. It's for all international students. So if you are a, f a full degree student, definitely get in touch with the ESN. It's, it's, it's for you as an international student, correct? Absolutely. Uh, we, of course, uh, we talk here a lot about Erasmus students. You know, we are talking about the Erasmus program. But it's not only that. If you're doing a full degree, uh, you are absolutely invited to contact your local ESN section and, and join them on the next activity. And um, I mean, we are very proud to, to organize thousands of activities every year. Um, we, we have weeks we dedicate to some topics. For example, every semester we have a couple of weeks that we call social inclusion weeks. And uh, all of our focus is on uh, activities that promote the, you know, the social inclusion of international students with the locals, but also with society in general as a broad concept. And just to give you some numbers, on, on the, the last social inclusion week, social inclusion weeks that were just November, December recently, um, all over the network, we had about uh, 640 activities just on social inclusion. So let aside, you know, parties, trips, uh, or, uh, you know, um, health activities, sports activities, cultural activities, Aside that, in those two weeks, just on social inclusion, about 640 activities organized all over the continent. So yes, if you're an international student, do so. Contact us. And, and often ESN is involved in orientation weeks for international students put on by the school. And so it does. I think this is great because it does introduce students to the different student associations. And, and um, some countries have programs that are sort of similar to our Greek system here in the U.S., which can be hard to kind of navigate and figure out which ones are good for international students. ESN often, in many places, helps with that through orientation. Yeah, we, I mean, we go as far as, in, depending on the section, of course, and uh, on the local organization, of course, and, and how far you are from, from the airport. But in many, many cases, we go as far as picking them up in the airports. Uh, we also have in place a buddy system, uh, which I, think, I guess you also have in the US. I mean, it's, it's a common practice. A local student that helps the international student throughout the semester. And often this local student goes, you know, and gets the, picks the local, the international student at the, the local train station or, or at the airport if it's nearby. Um, you know, helps the student finding um, uh, accommodation for them, uh, opening a bank account if needed. So all Buying a subway ticket. I mean, buying a metro ticket. Those, those things. All, can of, really all of those logistical yeah. things that you are so confused in the beginning, you don't speak the language. Right. Sometimes you don't even know how to read the alphabet, let alone the language. Right. Um, the local student is going to help you with that. So what I think is really cool is, of course, you have parties and, and all of that stuff, which is great. Yeah. But, the, but that you have these programs that really um, 
speak to your mission of integrating international students to the host societies and getting them outside of that bubble, making sure that they leave that bubble while they're abroad. Can you tell me one, one of the programs that really accomplishes that is, is your social Erasmus program, correct? Indeed. So our, our vision, uh, the whole vision of the whole organization is enriching society through international students. So we truly believe that um, the Erasmus program and any sort of mobility for that matter um, is not only about the employability aspect, but it's also about the citizenship aspect, as we mentioned as well before. Right? So um, through our programs, we try to facilitate this process and, and make sure that the students really, when they are abroad, that they really um, leave something in their society as well and that they take something. So one of the most famous programs we have is called Social Erasmus, as you mentioned. Um, this, this program is uh, one of our oldest programs um, and is also, I would say, the most successful one. Um, as you can imagine, international students, when, when they go abroad, they very easily you know, meet each other, they stay in their bubble, and they're going to pass their semester or their year in that bubble. It's very hard for them to meet local students, but also the opposite. For the local students, it's also very hard to penetrate in this very you know, thick bubble where the international students are living. Uh, so both maybe are curious and interested in, in the other side, but they don't, they don't know how to relate. So what we do is to facilitate this process. And in social Erasmus, we do it through several types of activities, being, uh, you know, by uh, helping the homeless. Uh, this is very typical. We go out with local uh, charity organizations, and we have the Erasmus students going with the, with the specialists on the ground, giving food to the, to the locals, um, well, to the, the homeless. Uh, dog shelters, you know, uh, either they go there and they spend some time with the animals or we do, you know, collecting food uh, with all the international students and then somebody goes there and, and delivers the food for the dog shelter, for example. Uh, if there's a natural disaster, we always mobilize international students, you know, to clean the area if we can help. Uh, if it's a wildfire, you know, to reforest the area, planting trees um, and so on. For example, one very nice activity that, that is now quite common is uh, we go to orphanage and we, we paint the walls together with the kids, for example. So you have these little kids, or not so little, but that for some reason are in that institution. They really have a different day or different days with all, all these foreigners that full of energy, you know. They're, right. they're in their 20s, early 20s, most of them. They're full of energy and curiosity and, and you spend the whole day painting, painting some walls together with these kids. Um, so yes, yeah, Social Erasmus is, is a very successful program and that we do believe that... Um, it does reach its goal. And its goal is making sure that the students, international students, not only go home, return home with something from their host society in them, but, they, but also when they return home, they return being sure that they left something in that host society as well. That's why the motto of that program is uh, leave your mark. That's really cool. And it, and it speaks more to the global citizenship too. It's, it's providing the host society an opportunity to be exposed to different cultures and, and citizens of different countries as well as yeah. they leave their mark. You have to see that we, we do care a lot as well about uh, sustainable development goals uh, of the United Nations. Um, so the goals that we all have as citizens of this planet have to reach by 2030. And as an organization, we, we, are, we are not afraid of saying that we are proud to know that we actively contribute to these goals, especially to goal number four, quality education. We fight a lot for the quality for the, an, an education that is internationalized and that is affordable and that also that is um, 
uh, inclusive, so that all sorts of people can can engage. And of course, an international education, because this is what we talk about here. Um, the other program I think that you have is really cool and different from what we have here is your um, Healthy Experience Abroad program. Yeah. You know, again, this is something um, parents ask me about a lot. There's a different drinking age and how does that impact? Um, I, I tell them what I've learned from students who have studied in Europe, which is that the drinking culture in Europe in college is a lot different than the drinking culture in the U.S., um, and I think some of that is because since the drinking age is, is younger, you're not saying don't drink. You're sort of um, providing tools for it to be done responsibly. And it sounds like that is what the Healthy Experience Abroad program does. Indeed. Um, so for the healthy lifestyle dimension, and that's uh, something I have to tell you that we are now developing even more. Um, we are not taking the next steps, but I can, I can end with that. But to start with what we already do, uh, so we have in place a program called Responsible Party. Uh, which we organized together with a, a very famous worldwide um, alcohol company. And this program is actually brandless. I mean, it, it does not have the brand of the company at all. So they do not publicize themselves through the program. They just finance it. It's a sort of a corporate social responsibility, if you know what I mean. Right. So they, they, they really fund um, the healthy consumption of theirs and any other alcohol product, for that matter. So how do we do that? So... As we said, we, we organize a lot of uh, parties around the continents, um, but also a lot of sports events, a lot of uh, cultural events, the social events we mentioned. And what we make sure, even though the program is called Responsible Party, what we make sure is to disseminate this healthy lifestyle message across all of our events. But it, it, it started with the parties, and that, that's why we kept the name. And that's also where it makes more, in, where its impact is bigger. So how does it go? Very simple. We first... Uh, so the parties we organize, we try to label them as being a responsible party. So a responsible party is not a team of a, of a party. The party can be, you know, the St. Valentine's party or, you know, talk about the next festive, festive, festive uh, season. So St. Valentine's party, let's say. Instead of uh, calling it responsible party, you still call it the way you want to call it. But you put a label under the name saying this is a responsible party. This basically means that before the party, together with this alcohol company, we will train our volunteers, so the ESN volunteers, everyday volunteers, we will train them on the topic of uh, responsible alcohol consumption. What does it mean? How do you prevent? Uh, here we use the expression smart prevention. Uh, that's what we try to do. We train them and also we give them the tools, uh, actual tools to go to the party. So they go to the parties and they are dressed differently. They have their t-shirts and they are called the party squad. And the party squad actually uh, is around the party informing the students that are there, you know, having their good time, informing the students how to have a responsible alcohol consumption. And this information is not done, you know, in a, you know, in a way that is not interesting for young people. No, it's done in a way that they understand. First of all, because it's done by their peers, the ones that they know as well from other contexts. So that's just another context where they meet them. That's one of the things. And the second is that because the message really, the visuals and everything is really about that generation, you know, about millennials and now even the other, the next generation already. Um, so the goals of the program at the end are two. One is to increase the health literacy of uh, international students by making them knowing their bodies better, knowing how much alcohol their body can actually handle. Um, and we, we, we are not afraid of talking about alcohol with the students. I mean, they are 20 something. It's time for them to learn how to drink responsibly. Um, and then 
the second goal of the, of the, the program is to give them the tools to actually do that. And the main tool actually is the most, is one of the, sim the most simple uh, products in the world is, is water. Absolutely. We are around uh, giving uh, bottles of water uh, to the students um, so they can alternate a dose of alcohol with a dose of water. And the doses are measured in a leaflet that we also give to the students where they can see what is the dose that my body as a male or a female can handle with this certain weight, this certain height. Um, and you calculate and um, immediately you understand what is your, uh, your, uh, your figure. And that's with the water bottle, correct? That, that sort of information? That comes with the water bottle, yes. Yeah. So we always give information with the water bottle. So one thing I notice a lot is um, families are often uh, drawn to the idea of studying in Europe because of the cost. That's the first, the most concrete benefit. And then as they start exploring more and they listen to some of these podcasts or webinars or their kids actually start doing it, they recognize that the secondary benefits are just as important as the money that they're saving. What are some of the secondary benefits you see to um, to studying abroad and, and using the resources created by ESN and the Erasmus Plus program? Look, we already mentioned in this podcast uh, the employability aspect. I mean, it's proven. I do recommend you to have a look at the Erasmus Impact Study. All of these numbers pop out very clearly in the statistics. Erasmus students are more likely to get an employed and um, yeah, to get employed faster. You know, after their first year of studies, than non-mobile students. So, it's, of course, it's not only Erasmus students; it's mobile students. That's what I mean. Right. That's definitely one of the aspects. Uh, we also mentioned in this call the um, the citizenship aspect. You know, becoming more internationalized. Um, all of this is uh, so real. Also, here in Europe, that uh, just this morning I was I was talking about these numbers in another context, and and it's still unbelievable. It's still unbelievable how especially uh, the, the biggest example we have, especially in the, the context of Brexit and the, what happened in, in the UK of, on the vote, it's unbelievable to see that actually young people did not vote to leave. Young people voted to remain. 70-something percent of them voted to remain. And when you look into the numbers of young people, you'll see that actually um, Erasmus students are uh, three times more likely to vote than non-mobile students. And we also have this proved in another research we did called Erasmus Voting Assessment. And um, this is not only uh, truth for, for Brexit, it's truth for, for any election. Because when you go abroad, you develop this sense of citizenship, this sense of belonging to a certain society. You just want to exercise all of your, uh, you know, power as, all of your powers as a citizen. And voting is, of course, one of them. Um, so that's another dimension, being a more active citizen. And then a very important dimension I would also like to mention is the inclusion aspect of, uh, of going abroad. Of course, and you as an individual, you also become a lot more inclusive to other cultures, but not only other cultures, other segments of society, even within your culture. Because uh, especially within Erasmus program, because this opportunity is given to, uh, to all sorts of people from all the backgrounds, it's a place where you actually find people that come from you know, poorer families or richer families, because the grant is there for everybody at the end of the day, but if you have a lower income, you're going to get a bigger grant, you're going to get a top-up on, on your grant. Um, all sorts of people in society, regardless of their neighborhoods, regardless of how bad, of how broken their family is, or of any of their problems at home, anybody can actually participate in the program. And today, we, we, we are so addicted, let's say, to this idea of inclusion, that we are debating even niche parts of society. We are debating 
how can you include, for example, young people from the deep countryside, you know, that have to take care of the animals on a daily basis? How do you make sure that these people also participate in the abroad experience? Because they also have to have, at least for one week, they also have to have um, the opportunity of understanding the world as, 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 as this, you know, open borders um, uh, society. So we are actually very happy we have some numbers to illustrate that Erasmus is already quite successful in this, in this regard, especially in the short-term mobility um, programs. And um, we see, for example, that 25% of the participants of short-term mobility, which go for, you know, 10 days, 15 days, 25% come from disadvantaged backgrounds. That, that's a very big number when you think about it. About a bit over 1 million people, a bit over 1 million people, I think it's 1,100,000, something like this, have participated in short-term exchanges. This means that Erasmus has given the opportunity to about 300,000 people, 300,000 young people, mostly, that could go abroad and otherwise would never go abroad and would perhaps stay in this negative spiral from, uh, that comes from the neighborhood where they, where they are growing up, from the school where they are growing up, or from the, the, the home where they are growing up. So Erasmus is truly changing lives. Um, at least these 300,000, I hope, and I suspect, it did change a little bit. This is just so cool. And I said it before, but I, I literally have goosebumps right now. Most <laughs> as a parent who's child will benefit from these these programs and what i really appreciate is that it's not just these theoretical goals you know oh we have the goal for mobility you guys are really getting in there as volunteers and and making sure that the supports are in place for for students to take advantage of the programs created by the eu and i i really as a parent and as you know uh, somebody who is encouraging american students to to study abroad i just i really appreciate all you guys do well, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you very much for this invitation. It was a pleasure. Can we talk about how cool all this is for a minute? I often talk to students who insist that they want to study in a particular country. Sometimes that country doesn't have programs that align with their study areas, though. I always tell students not to be dead set on one country because of these opportunities. Far more countries have courses conducted in English than full programs, which opens up many more opportunities to study in that country under Erasmus. Further, Erasmus ensures that you're not going to be paying higher tuition rates than you were at your home school and even offers the opportunities for grants to offset living costs. So, you know, we talked earlier in the episode today about the U of I student studying at Leuven. So let's look at Leuven again. As a degree student at Leuven, you're paying about $600 per semester in tuition. The Netherlands is another sought-after destination with a bit higher tuition, not compared to the U.S., of course, but you can expect to pay around $10,000 a year. If you spend a semester at a school in the Netherlands under the Erasmus program, you'll continue to pay the $600 per semester, not $5,000 per semester that you would pay as a student in Leuven. So another option offered by Erasmus Plus that we didn't discuss, but that international students can participate in, offers students the opportunity to do an internship in another country. Again, students can apply for a grant to help with living costs, and most programs in Europe have a semester built into the program for students to take advantage of these possibilities. You can do Erasmus programs for 12 months total of each level of study, so this means you can do a year abroad, a year internship, or one semester abroad, and one for your internship, and you can do this full year for your bachelor's degree and then again during your master's degree. 
So this is one of the things that I really hope catches on in the States too. I feel like there's some hope around it. There's this one really great article I've posted on Facebook before where Michelle Obama talks about the importance of uh, study abroad. And there are actually initiatives around increasing mobility among U.S. college students, noting that the skills gained are imperative to compete in today's global economy. There's actually a bill that's been developed to ensure that more students study abroad and gain these skills. Unfortunately, the predictions are stating that this bill only has a 1% chance of being accorded. Luckily, we don't have to wait for this as we can benefit from both studying abroad with the affordable full degree programs in Europe, as well as the opportunities under Erasmus Plus and the support provided by ESN.